When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Well, it looks like it's a Friday again, so it must be another Q&A day here on Talking Real Money. I'm Don McDonald. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tuning in. Uh, is that is that showing me as an old radio guy? Yeah, yeah, it's certainly identifying me as a broadcaster. Thanks for finding a podcast on whatever podcast service you happen to be using. And uh, please encourage people to, to uh, subscribe to the podcast, listen to it. Uh, the best place that helps us the most actually is Apple Podcasts. If you subscribe there, it really helps. But otherwise, it's okay. Anywhere. Anywhere will do. And you can send questions into us anytime at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. You can call those questions in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also type them in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Or as a lot of people are getting very comfortable doing, you can speak them in at TalkingRealMoney.com using your computer or your phone or whatever you got. The technology just keeps on changing, doesn't it? Well, we have so many questions. I mean, they have piled up thick over the past week or so. So I am going to try, I'm going to attempt. Yes, you're going to be a witness to an attempt by me to break a new Friday Q&A question record. I'm going for, what am I going for today? I'm going, I'm going for six. So let's see if we can get that done in less than a half an hour, shall we? 855-935-TALK is the number, and that's how this was called in. Hey, you guys. Uh, thanks so much for making this so easy to call in. Yeah, my question, my name's Jim. My question is, uh, you know, where do you guys fall between the strategy of buy and hold versus something uh, a little bit more dynamic or what I think people call tactical management? Um yeah, you know, that's where I'm at. I'm thinking of going with like a core portfolio of 60-40, but then having my manager, you know, increase the equity um, uh, when there's corrections. So I'm just curious what you guys' thoughts are on that. I'm, uh, I don't need the money, and I and I, and I, you know, I don't mind uh, taking on risk. Uh, well, thank you very much. We believe in creating the right portfolio. For your risk tolerance, which you said is high, and keeping it like that for a very, very long time until either your risk tolerance or your needs change. How we tactically allocate is just way too simple because we don't believe you can actually tactically allocate. We let the market do the tactical allocating for us because you're not going to know when we're in a correction until we're, we're already out of the correction. Did you know in March of 2020 that that correction would only last one month? 
When would you have bought into that correction? Because I know for a fact that most people didn't think it would end that quickly. I know in 2008, because you see, I've been talking to people about money on mass media for 30 years, 33 years. And I know how people react. You don't believe it's done going down until it started going up for an extended period of time. And even then, we still think it's still going to go back down again. You can't pull this off. It's a market timing game. And and the, the good news for those of us who buy and hold is that because we're buying and holding a global economy, values rise more than they fall. When you're trying to pick the right time to get in, you're trying to fire into a very narrow window those times when it goes down. And then you're trying to determine when is the exact right time in that very narrow window to place your money in the market. You're never going to figure that out. I don't care how smart these tactical allocators think they are. They're not smart enough. We believe in tactical allocating through rebalancing. That means after the stock market has already gone down a bunch, well, you're going to have to do something that's very uncomfortable at some point. You are going to have to sell some of your fixed income securities that had probably held their value better, they typically do, and buy those downtrodden stocks. In other words, you're technically allocating into a bad market, but you're doing it in a disciplined way. You can't just make it a guessing game or set some arbitrary figures. Let the market do it for you. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255 is our number. One more call, and then we're going to go to those who called them in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Let's go. Well, let's go here. Thanks so much for your show. Just recently discovered your podcast, and I'm learning a lot and enjoying listening to you both. Just wondering, I recently heard you speaking about a backdoor Roth. The question is... We currently have money in a brokerage account under a traditional IRA. And I'm wondering if we take that out of the traditional IRA and transfer it into a thrift savings plan, which is the military, um, similar to a 401k, but it's the military's uh, version of a 401k. Uh, it's called the TSP, Thrift Savings Account, and put the traditional um, transfer it all over there. Then uh, is that considered that we no longer have a traditional IRA, and then we can do the backdoor Roth? I'm thinking the answer is no, but I'm guessing you can't have any traditional money anywhere, including money in a thrift savings plan, but just cu- curious how that works. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. A couple of things I want to disclaim. We're not tax people. We're not tax advisors. You want to consult with a good tax advisor on these kind of questions, but I'm pretty sure I know the answer on this one. So I'm going to help you out here. One, you can transfer a regular IRA, not a Roth, but a regular IRA into a TSP, a thrift savings plan. A thrift savings plan, having a thrift savings plan, and money in a thrift savings plan account does not 
disqualify you from a backdoor IRA. So therefore, my understanding is that you could then fund a non-deductible IRA and immediately transfer that into a Roth IRA and have little or no taxable event unless over that few minutes you had a big boost in the value and you got to pay a little gain, a little income tax on that gain. But basically it should be an almost non-taxable event. So yeah, you can move your IRA to your TSP, which we think is not a bad thing. TSPs are great. And then you can do the Roth, uh, the backdoor Roth. Now bear in mind, I think the odds are really, really good that backdoor Roth IRAs are going to go away in the very near future. So this may be a one-time shot and uh, you're still limited in how much you can do based on the IRA contribution amount. So good luck to you. Thanks for calling. And now we're going to take some of those questions that were sent in at talkingrealmoney.com. They were actually uh, spoken in. It's really kind of cool. You just hit the mic button and then you record your question. Up next, this. Hi, Tom and Don. I hope you're doing well. Uh, my name's Alex. I live in Philadelphia, and I'm calling to get advice on what I can do to help my mom with her retirement. She's currently 48, turning 49 soon. She has nothing for her retirement except for cash that she has laying around. Um, she's really risk-averse. She doesn't want to invest in the stock market. Uh, one thing she keeps bringing up is buying another property with the money she has and renting it out. But I keep telling her how hard it is and that it's like another part-time job. Um, so I'm not really sure what she can do. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything that I could do for her. Uh, I'm thinking maybe open a Roth IRA for her and contribute my money to that account and start building something for her. Um, I'm not sure if Social Security is going to be enough to cover her expenses. She still has a house that she's paying a mortgage on. She's probably not going to finish paying by the time she's 65. Um, I don't want her to work the rest of her life. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out, like, what are some things that I could do for her uh, to help her in some one way or another to help her retire by the time she's 65? maybe a little bit older. Um, if you could just talk about some of the options and you know how I could go about it, that would be really helpful. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Wow. You're a good son. Mom. <laughs> you didn't give me a lot of specifics on mom, um, except that she's risk averse. You didn't really tell me how much she has saved, but I would imagine if she wants to buy a property, she must have something saved. And you're right about property being hard work. Owning a house is like a job. So if she has money that can be invested, you might want to try and um, convince her to take just a little risk with it. Maybe not much at all. Maybe, maybe a portfolio that's 10% in stocks and 90% in fixed income securities. Have her go take the risk quiz at TalkingRealMoney.com. But if she has earned income, and it sounds like she does then you can contribute, certainly. If she doesn't do it, you can contribute to a Roth IRA for her. And it sounds like a Roth will probably be the best thing because it doesn't sound like she's a very high earner. So you can put up to, for her currently, $6,000 this year in a Roth IRA and then 7000 a year after she's 50. 
and you um can maybe convince her to let you invest that a little more aggressively or use something like a target date fund, something that is made for this kind of a situation. If you do that now and she holds off on retiring, which would be wise um, because it doesn't sound like she's going to have a lot of money in retirement. If she can find a way to work for the next 20 years until she is 70, means she may have a little more to put away. You can certainly fund a Roth IRA for her much longer it enables you to put like $140,000 away for her. And over that 20 years, with even a modicum of growth, you could be, you know, a quarter of a million bucks for her, which could be a big, big, big help in retirement. And if she waits until 70, she gets the higher Social Security benefit. So have her take the risk quiz. You should take the risk quiz. Uh, tell her that since this is a gift, you're going to try to invest it in the best way possible for her. Look at a target date fund, possibly, and then uh, try to convince her to keep plugging along as long as she can to delay taking Social Security because it goes up a lot, 8% every year. Thank you for your question. We really appreciate it. And uh, let's go to another. Hey, Tom and Don. This is Cass from Mississippi. I've got a question about ETFs. I'm a mutual fund girl. I'm a buy and hold long term. I've got about 150000 in taxable and most of it is in VTSAX. I've got a little bit in VBTLX. And, uh, but mainly I'm, I'm concerned about the fact that the expense ratio with ETFs is a little bit less. It's like a 0.01% difference for the um, total stock market. And it's a little, little bit more for the, the bond fund. And I'm wondering, like, at what point does that make a difference? For, for somebody like me who's comfortable with mutual funds, and I, I don't really, uh, you know, I'm long-term, like I said, I'm, I'm, it's like 10 o'clock on Tuesday, I don't need to, you know, buy five shares of, of anything. So uh, I guess I'm just trying to figure out, like, at what point does that expense ratio make a difference to me? Like, like I said, I've got, uh, you know, a little bit of money in taxable, but I guess I'm more concerned with, uh, I retire in 10 years and I have, I'll have, uh, hopefully about a million dollars in my, my TSP that I want to, uh, transfer to, uh, uh, IRAs at Vanguard. And I'm not sure if, uh, if I should, you know, if, if it's a, a bigger amount of money, if that expense ratio is a big enough difference that I just need to, uh, you know, think about being uh, on the ETF bandwagon. So I hope you can, uh, you know, explain that a little bit to me and uh, maybe I can e emotionally prepare myself for any kind of change that needs to take place. You guys are awesome. I listen to you every day and uh, thanks again. <laughs> oh, Cass, I love your, loved, loved this call. This was fun. You are, you're like me. I would not, I, for the longest time, I just couldn't bring myself to use ETFs because I feared the possible unknown consequences of the markets and their behavior on something that was unknown. Because in the past, I've seen so many new ideas get trampled under, under the realities of the marketplace. But ETFs... They've hold, they've they, they've they've held up well. They really are a great idea. They're an idea that has made sense. 
Of course, it's been messed up by people who create convoluted, complex, managed ETFs, but you're not going to get those. Look at your portfolio. You're in Vanguard. So if you were to use the, the, I would rather see you use VT as a ETF, and I would rather see, I'd rather see you use V. Our BND is a bond fund, but uh, you don't have the difference in expense ratios is not that great. So I wouldn't, it's not going to make a big difference, but every little tiny bit of additional return that you can squeeze out and reducing costs is additional return goes to your future bottom line. So I think it makes sense. I don't think you need to worry about ETFs any longer. I don't think you have to make a, a wholesale switch either. But you can start slowly using them. And there are a couple of other benefits to having ETFs. One, you can consolidate all of your accounts with one custodian, like a Fidelity or a Schwab or whomever it might be. You don't have to just stick with Vanguard to get the Vanguard funds free because they you know, they charge uh, uh, transaction costs to buy Vanguard funds. There are no transaction costs at Fidelity or Schwab to buy Vanguard ETFs. You can do it for free. So it gives you the ability to have a, a a more diverse account. For example, I have a Schwab account, and in my Schwab account, I have VT, and I have some dimensional funds, and I have, I think I have an Avantis fund, and I have uh, a Schwab fund. So I've got all these different, or ETFs, I should say all ETFs, and I've got all those, and it gives me this ability to have all these really interesting other products that allow me to diversify more my portfolio more greatly. So don't worry too much. ETFs are going to be fine, but a wholesale switch, not necessarily something you have to do, but every little bit helps. Thanks for the question. I really appreciate it. Next up. Hello, Tom and Don, or Don and Tom. I'm a new listener. I found out about you from the Clark Howard podcast, and I trust him, so I immediately started listening to your podcast, and I love them. I have a quick question. I have an annuity that I am stuck with, and you talk a lot about how bad they are, but you don't talk necessarily that I have heard about how to get out of them if there is any decent option. I've been told by the annuity company that I have three choices. I can wait till the contract ends. I can end it early or I can do some kind of weird transfer that puts me right back into another annuity, which, God forbid, I will not do. Is there any way I can get out of this thing? I know there'll be a huge tax hit. My surrender period is up in December of 22, and this deferred variable annuity is about 11% of my portfolio. Any suggestions you have would help me. So I'll be listening. And thank you again. I am so happy I found your podcast. Ah, Clark and I both hate, hate, hate annuities. And by the way, thanks for coming over and listening. And I'm glad you're enjoying the show. Uh, Tell your friends, please. More the merrier. It's a podcast, you know. It's an almost unlimited resource. We could have a billion people listening and it wouldn't hurt us a bit. Oh, we'll probably be overwhelmed with calls, but that's okay. We'll figure something out. Really, if it gets that big, we'll hire some people to answer questions. Uh, It's not. Annuity. Yeah. Here's the problem with these annuities. They pull you in 
and they trap you. And that's part of the deal. That's part of the appeal to the insurance companies. Because here's what they're allowed to do. They're allowed to tell you that you're not paying a commission up front. When in fact, the person who sold it to you collected a hefty commission, a big commission, probably in excess of 5%. And then the insurance company is assured of collecting that commission they pay back through the extra fees that annuities charge every year for things you don't need to have a tax-deferred investment. Because remember, it's just tax-deferred. Or they get you by charging you a steep surrender charge if you get out early. So that's what they're saying. You can wait, or you can pay us a surrender charge and get out early, or you can what's called 1035 exchange. But that's a terrible idea. They want you to do that. They give you the option of a 1035 exchange because they want you to go into another annuity. If you went into another annuity, they're going to start that. They're going to get a commission all over again and restart the clock. So here's what I suggest for most people. No matter what you do, you lose. If you stay, you lose. If you go, you lose. If you stay, you're paying so much in additional fees that they're going to collect and they're going to get their money back. If you get out, you pay them the surrender charge, they get their money back. But here's the rub. If you stay, you are losing the potential to earn money on your money. I believe that the best strategy, once you've been taken in by some of these people who... I'm not going to say they lie, but they misrepresent with impunity. Once you get taken in, you chalk it up to experience, you bite the bullet, you pay the surrender charge, and you move on in far less expensive investment vehicles. It's really the only thing you can do. You stay, you pay, you go, you pay. There's no way out of it. Thanks for the question. Good luck on your decision. Here's the next question. Hey, Tom and Don. My name is Tyler. I live out in San Diego, California. I'm a huge fan of the show. Been listening to uh, you guys for about eight years now. I set up a 529 plan over at Vanguard and another one actually at Fidelity. I have uh, two 529s, one for one child at one location and uh, another child at the Fidelity location. And I recently heard on a different podcast um, that the 529s at the brokerage houses may have higher fees. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I just, um, for convenience, signed up through the uh, brokerage house. Um, do you recommend that I try to transfer those, uh, 529 plans now out of Vanguard and Fidelity and try to get them over into a state plan like the Utah plan? Thanks so much for all you guys do. Really appreciate it. There's a bit of confusion. This is a standard answer and it's pretty true, but with, within certain bounds. Yes. If you get a 529, at a Merrill Lynch or a Morgan Stanley or an Ameriprise or an Edward Jones or whomever it might be, you are going to pay more in fees. I can pretty much guarantee it. But when you're with a Vanguard or a Fidelity, it's different. This is not really the kind of brokerage account that they're referring to. 
I don't know what the fees are at some of the other brokers, but I do know that Fidelity on their 529 plan charges other than the cost of the funds, which you're going to pay anywhere you go. And if you're using ETFs or index funds are quite low, they charge zero. They don't charge you any fees for the account. So you can just keep your accounts the way they are. What they're saying is don't go to a full-service broker and get a really expensive 529 with commissioned products and high annual fees because that's what you get when you go to a full-service broker. You go to Vanguard or Fidelity and you use no-load funds, uh, index funds, or you use ETFs. You pay no commission if you're in a Vanguard or a Fidelity fund or almost anybody's ETF. You don't pay a commission, and the annual fees for those funds run below one-tenth of 1% typically, or right at it. ETF's even lower. With a major brokerage firm, the typical commission is 5.75 going in. Maybe 5, but 5.75, that's for A shares. And then you're probably going to pay somewhere between one-half and three-quarters of 1% per year versus less than a tenth of 1%. Or they're going to put you in what are called C-shares so that they can tell you, oh, no, no, there's no commission up front, except C-shares. I'll give you a great example. Some One of the better loaded fund groups out there is American funds, but their C-shares can cost you up to 1.5% a year. 1.5%. By the way, if any of you have American fund C-shares, you should be scrambling for statements and start making some changes because you're paying way too much money and you should fire the broker who sold you those things and forgot to tell you that you're paying, oh, I don't know, in some cases maybe a thousand times more than an ETF. A thousand times more. It's pathetic. But the financial services industry in many cases is pathetic but in your case you're great pit the kids against each other see whether vanguard or fidelity does better who ends up with more money when they go to college but no you're fine just keep doing what you're doing thanks for the call or the question at talkingrealmoney.com again our number is 855-935-TALK 855-935-8255 you can call that 24 7 and here's an offer that stands all the time it has for as long as we've been in the investment advisory business. We have a firm, Tom and I, that we started in 2009 called Vestory, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y. We help people manage money for a fee. Now, bear in mind, that fee is pretty reasonable. Even at our, our highest fee, uh, along with the mutual funds, you're going to pay less than most C-shares, and you get somebody helping you all the time. But, you know, that's up to you. But we also provide anyone who asks free help within reason we're not going to manage your money for free we can't afford not to make money but we can help you we can help you get started with a plan go through that portfolio and look at all the garbage you have maybe you have a portfolio that's got a bunch of mutual funds and you're going i don't know what they cost let us look at them we'll tell you and we won't try to sell you anything i promise no sales pitch just go to vestory.com and set up an appointment. It's easy. V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Or if you like calling, call 800-386-3004. That's different. That's our office number. 
800-386-3004. Thanks for listening. Please, please, please spread the word. Uh, oh, quick note, tomorrow, Saturday, if you're listening on Friday, we are live in studio in the studio of Como Radio in Seattle doing a live local radio show, but we take calls from all over the country during that show at the same number, 855-935-TALK. So if you want to talk with us live and in person, call on Saturday between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific. <laughs> it's been a long week. Uh, 855-935-8255. Take grand care of yourselves. And remember, Tom and I, we live our lives trying to help you manage money because all we do is sit around and read about, learn about, and talk real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a family registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.